0: Listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host Virtual Vinny.
1: It's a new episode here on I Love Old Time Radio. Welcome, Old Time Radio fans. I'm your host, Virtual Vinny. Uh, Uh-uh,
0: don't touch that dial. There's excitement galore coming up in the next hour when you'll hear the police commissioner of Midland City tell his secretary... Uh, I think I'm going to lunch. ...during another exciting episode of Chicken Man. He's everywhere! He's everywhere! The most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known.
1: I Love Old Time Radio produces a new show every Monday through Friday each day with a different theme. Wednesdays are all about detectives, like Detective Danny Clover, in Broadway Is My Beat. This episode originally aired on November 24th, 1950, and this is called The Shorty Dunn-Burner Case.
2: Broadway Is My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's 5 b with Larry Thorne as Detective Danny Clover. November night slips down on Broadway, a gust of blackness. And at once Broadway is a neon-lighted revival meeting that screams for the joy and the salvation. Then the happy trumpet yells and makes the music of the nighttime, ebbs into the darkness, die. To my window at headquarters, I watched it. Watched a man detach himself from it, turn and stand for an instant in the shallow pool of light from the street lamp and consider it. Turn again and up the steps, and in a little while, open my door, because you've been told to see me. Mr. Clover? Come in. You know all about me, don't you? Not a thing. Who are you? What do you mean, not a thing? I'm Mr. Bryant. And? Well, you know about me, about my wife. Why do you think I was in here yesterday? Tell you people a bunch of lies? You talked to someone else. I didn't know a thing about it. My wife. She didn't come home. She hasn't come home, Mr. Clover. I see. You reported the day ago. Yes, Clara went out the other evening. I, I waited for her. Billy's been waiting. Billy? Three and a half, going on four. The second one, really. Our first child didn't even get born. You see. Why did she come to see me, Mr. Bryant? The man in the other office told me. Please find Please find Clara, Mr. Culver. I've got to come home, Mr. COVID, because The man in the other office said to show you the letter. Here, open it and read it. Hmm? As you see, the man who wrote the letter says he knows where my wife is. He says his name is Shorty Dunn, And he says, come to the Apollo Hotel. What does that mean? And bring money. That's strange. It says come to the Apollo Hotel, but it's written on Mission House Stationery. And bring money. That's why I came to the police again. Although I am worried about my wife, I have my head about me. You, the police, you'll find the car. and she'll come home to us, men. You fellows are good. Find her,
3: find her,
2: find her, find her. Suddenly the spill of words stopped flowing from him. It became a moan. It became the whimper of the helpless. Its component parts: defiance, the shame. This was the universal currency of men who must beg to appease hunger, to barter dignity, to blot out the sudden emptiness. I told him I'd check on it, try to find his wife for him. talk to the man who had written the letter. He accepted the alms I had given him. Went away. The Apollo Hotel stands on a corner of the Bowery and sells men's sleep at 50 cents a night. You walk up a flight of stairs, the grit under your feet screeching your presence. And at the landing, a desk, moist with the sweat of hands that have bargained across it. Back of it, the man with the green eye shade, the broken restless fingers, the vendor of sleep. Go away, we're we'll full up every bed in the house. I want Shorty Bum. Is he here? You he talk like you got a right to want somebody. Police. Yeah, I know. You know how I know? Because I'm sensitive to the sound feet make on my stairs. Without looking up, I can tell is it a rummy, a whine, or a bum, a cop. You want Shorty, huh? Yeah. Imagine that. Shorty finally made it. Somebody wants him. <laughs> Come on, bed twelve. Distressing, ain't a policeman? The way a man comes in here for four bits worth of sleep and something won't let him, it bothers him. You'd be astonished how it bothers him. Yeah, bed twelve. Shorty done. Hey, Shorty. Here, wake up. Today a miracle to see you got a visitor. Asleep. What? Shorty? What do you know about that? I can't hear you, Jimmy. Look at him. Like a baby. The jackknife in his heart finally brought it to him. Yeah. You wanted him, policeman. Take him away so I can sell his bed all over again. That's how it was that a stir was created in the Apollo Hotel. Lowry Wino was murdered and a respectable housewife disappeared. What element is common to both? Consider now the letter to Mr. Bryan written on Mission House Stationery, 10th Avenue. Go there. And the man is standing there smiling and waiting for you to come to him. My name is Paul Foster. You're welcome here. Thanks, sir. I'm Danny Clover, police. I hope there's no trouble. I'm trying to get some information about a man. So many men come in here for a hot meal, a few friendliness when we feel it will be accepting a newspaper little thing, sometimes even a job. Mostly, we try to give away dignity. I know. You people do wonderful things. Thank you. What man did you want to ask me about? Shorty Dunn. There's nothing I can tell you that's startling about Shorty. Of course, I can show you a written record on him. He's been rehabilitated about seven times, which is about normal. When did you see him last? Last night. It was very late. We had no bed for him. Uh, He slept at the Apollo Hotel. I'm glad he did. I give him a half a dollar to find himself a bed. I, I'm glad he used it for that. He was found stabbed to death. A bedding. It's gotten so that when I hear of death, well, the lives of these men are a pity. They're dying. I, I don't know what to say anymore. He wrote a letter before he walked out of here, didn't he? That's right. He did. He told me it was very important. I like gave him the stationery and enough stamps to send the letter special delivery. Huh. Do you know anything else about him? Not much. There's a bar down the street, Goldie. It's called. Shorty swept out and whatever else needed to be done in places like that. You might try there. Stay up to death. Pretty.
4: I speak as a lady who's had lookers look at her before.
2: You're Goldie.
4: The one and only. Since called me that, because I got a heart of gold and deep to match what's left of them. Here <laughs> pure gold. My dowry to some lucky him Goldie, I... Uh... You want to marry me, looker? I've been searching for the likes of you.
2: I told me at the mission how Shorty Dunn works here sometimes.
3: Goldie. Shut up,
4: lover. <laughs> that is our song, so it is in mine. The you think of a receptive laugh. He's dead, Goldie. Murdered. You didn't need to tell me that. I knew about him. The gents brought me word. The lap of my beer and give me the world. Tell me about him. Your relative? Police. Danny Clover.
2: That makes you a relative. Shorty was an old friend of yours.
4: My fiancé, many days, stood right there at the bar rail just where you're standing and proposed to me on bended knees. But you didn't marry him. Shorty, that no good. I take it back. I bite my tongue. There were a lot of nice things about Shorty. Like what? Like the way he'd buy me a little present sometimes from the empties I gave him to sell.
2: He worked for you? You paid him?
4: That wasn't work, relative. The Shorty, it was a labor of love. I had to force my empties on him. And
2: that's how he lived. Bought a place to sleep, something to eat. Oh, my Shorty had other sources of income. Like what?
4: Like Joe, the junk man. Shorty sold him things he found in trash cans. You'd be surprised the these people throw
2: away you love us. Where do I find Joe?
4: Over a night toward the river. Have one on the house, Danny. While Goldie goes in the back room and Christ.
2: Your name, Joe? Who are you? You're open pretty late, aren't you, Joe? It's almost 11 o'clock. They make junk at all hours. They stay here and sort it out. Now, who are you? Danny Clover, police. You got junk? On your feet, Joe. I'm busy. On your feet. Stand up. I want to talk to you. Better. Get you 11 o'clock jollies this way? People got to stand when they talk to you. Want to talk in your backyard or mine? Go up. Did you know Shorty Dunn? Did I know him? I know him. He's been murdered. So? You know anything about it? Look, to me, Shorty was bottles. He brought bottles and I paid him. All it means to me that Shorty is dead, that I'm going to have to find someone just as good with bottles. That's all, huh? What do you want from me? What I got here is junk. And who brings it here is junk. Where did Shorty hang up? A question. He held out his hand on corners. Who knows what corners. He slept in doorways. He slept at the mission house. He slept in those tenements over there. Over where? Two of them right over there. You can see them if you stand on your toes and look over the fence, deserted, condemned. You know how tenements get, like people get. (laughs) That I wouldn't have known it was you. A shape, a shadow, or something left over. Let's go. Are you Are looking for something, Danny, in this tenement? That's why you called me? Uh-huh. If it's not asking too much... Something that'll help me find Shorty Dunn's murderer. The problem? Something you may have left, left here sometimes, the man told me. Look for it, Muggerman. Okay, Danny. You take these rooms. I'll go on down the hall. Yeah. what you expected, huh, Danny? No. She was strangled. See the glass? Showed up the marks on the throat. I'd say she's been here a night, maybe more. Anything else? Yeah, there's purse I found laying beside her. Open it? Yeah. A compact. lipstick, Tissues. A wallet. No money. A picture of a little boy. Identification card says Mrs. James Bryan, 1946, list 146. Case of accident notified James Bryan. Danny. Huh? Isn't this the Mrs. Bryan that was reported missing, the one her husband? Yeah. That one. And she was here all the time. What do you know about that? What do you know? Listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. There's a time on Broadway when the street has not yet come into its own. The empty hours, the useless hours between dawn and noon. Broadway scrubs its sidewalks tries to sweep the hours away to pile them in a the gutter. It eyes, the unlighted neon, checks the sleeping masses of the spectaculars and longs for the time of darkness. But the daylight clings. You must find a way of rejecting it, a kid. Brush it, huh? Because what kicks are there when the sun shines down? Except this item, maybe. The item in the paper you picked out of the trash bin. Missing woman found, it says, in condemned tenement. Murdered. And this one... Derelict stabbed to death in Flophouse. That'll hold you, I kid, to the night Sure it will. And at headquarters, a man comes in, oozing with information. You know that because he tells you. I'm oozing with it, Danny. Oh, oh the bits and pieces I got for you. Uh, you'll give them to me, huh? Naturally, but piecemeal. First, Detective Muggerman has even now picked up Mr. Bryan. They are on their way to the morgue to identify the deceased. Well, tell me the rest of the way there, huh, Sir Taglia? If you promise to let me keep up with you. I promise. Second, on the person of the deceased Shorty Dunn was found $20, undoubtedly from the purse of Mrs. Clara Bryan. Go on. Thirdly, our boys have checked with the manager of the flop house. He tells them a guy he could never describe bought a bed at his hotel,
4: registered as Joe Jones. Slept for a while next to Shorty. Got up, walked away. Nobody
2: knows where, nobody cares. Except us, huh, Danny? Well, what else? Hey, Danny, not so fast. What else is forcedly? A list was found in Mrs. Bryan's purse. It appears to our experts to be a shopping list. It so appears to me also. You got it? Well, naturally. Give it to me. I had so intended. Uh, it's not necessary for me to go in with you, Danny, into the morgue. It spoils my day. You can go back. Thanks, Danny.
3: No. I can't.
2: Not to the spectacle of death on a flat lit by a single boat. The chill wind that built into the morgue rocked the light gently, and they appeared each in his turn. A policeman, a dead woman, her husband, Stark. It needed another quality, not another spectator. I left. Now there was a list. Mrs. Bryan had intended to visit four places. Ten-cent store on a side street off Upper Broadway. A lending library close by. A place called Mildred's Beauty Shop. And a Dr. Johnson. Whether she had gotten to these places or in what sequence, I didn't know. I had to find out. Yes, sir. Something I can do for you? Uh, my name's Clover, Mr. Libby. I'm from the police. Police? That's right. Uh, why? I mean, why are you here? As a customer There's or the police? I want some information. Oh, I'd be glad to, but what information would I have for the police? Did you know Mrs. Clara Bryant? The woman who was murdered? Yes. She was in here the other night, uh, the night before last. What time was that, Mr. Libby? Oh, I couldn't tell you that. I don't know. What did she buy? Well, you can't expect me to remember that. Every item I have in the store, 10 cents or 25 or a dollar. Keep the tab from your cash register of your sales. Oh, yes. Get it from the day before yesterday. Mm -hmm. All right. Here you are. Did you see every item, 10 cents or 25? Hmm? There's a sale for $4.98, the last item on the tab. Oh, the toy bear, the mechanical bear. I bought a shipment for Christmas. I, I remember now. Mrs. Bryan bought one for her Billy. Uh, that's her son. Then she must have been your last customer. Mm, she must have been. I closed at seven, but I, I don't have any idea how near the closing time she left. Not any idea. Book, uh, get well card. You run this place alone. Uh, a little bit. huh? <laughs> <laughs> I asked you. I uh, to... uh, 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 got another one coming. <laughs> get hey. In the nose. Every fall like clockwork. Okay. You'll pardon me when I take my assistant. You uh, asked me something. If you ran this place alone. That's right, absolutely right, all alone. That matters? Then you knew Mrs. Clara Bryan. Not as well as I would have liked.
3: Ever see her?
2: I mean, before. Shouldn't have happened to Clara. No. You've got a point there, mister. Yes, sir, you've got a point. Whenever Clara walked in, it filled the day for me. me lend books to myself to read at night. What did it do for her? You're a policeman? Uh-huh. I thought so. The way you ask questions, very personal, very adaptive. Then you'll answer them because you like the way I ask them. it if, if for her you ask, how would you know about a woman like Mrs. Bryan? I'd pass a remark. She'd smile. You know, a kind of Mona Lisa-like. Borrow two books instead of one. That was all? I offered to give her a book once, any one she wanted, any price. She let me walk her home that evening. But didn't take the book. That was the uh, night before last. Don't crowd me. Not night before last. Two weeks ago. But she was here night before last. Yes, to return the book. Hated it, she said. I knocked off a day's rent. She didn't take another book out. Did she have anything with her? A package? Mechanical doll? Nothing. Just a book in herself. I noticed.
3: Because on Mrs. Bryan, I noticed these things. Every time she walked in.
4: Coming! Coming! Is your wife here? Sit down right over there and have a magazine. Which one's your wife? I'll tell us.
2: I'm from the police.
4: A bully for you. Which one's your wife?
2: I want some information from someone named Mildred.
4: From me? What
2: information? About Clara Bryan.
4: Sure, I'll tell you about it. I read the morning papers and found Strangled. You want me to tell you why? That's right. Clara was attractive. She was 35 years old and her hair didn't need touching. Had a nice figure and she knew it. She thought of it. Had a husband who worked too hard and came home too late. How do you know all this? I run a beauty parlor and it's for women. You all yeah, listening to some of them right now? Mrs. Conley's in there telling her hairdresser why sometimes she's sorry she got a divorce.
2: Did Clara Bryan know any men? You say it so gently. Women don't say it like that at all. Did she know any?
4: She loved her husband. What woman doesn't like a man to look at her? What woman doesn't like to be insulted? But Clara always went for her husband and child.
2: She was in here the night before last, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. How long did she stay? Just a few minutes.
4: Long enough for me to tell her we couldn't take her. and then she wanted to wash and set.
2: Do you remember what time it was?
4: She came back from dinner about 5.30, a little after that, about a quarter
2: to six. And one more thing, was was she carrying anything?
4: Maybe she had a book with her. That's right, she did. She told me it was a terrible book, waste of time, and she was returning it.
2: Did she have a, a toy with her, a mechanical
4: bear? I, I didn't notice. Maybe she did. Do you want anything else? No? Will you pardon me? It's time to take Mrs. Westfall out of the oil. <laughs>
2: came for her appointment at six. She was only carrying a book. Nothing else. Why did Mrs. Bryan have to come to you, a chiropractor? Mrs. Bryan had trouble with her back. She'd been coming to me for some time now, aches in her back. I did what I could. I gave her a temporary relief, but uh, what do you trying to say? I cured the symptoms, but not the source of her trouble. That doesn't tell me a whole lot. Well, you understand, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm a chiropractor. What I'm going to tell you is only conjecture. Mm-hmm. All right. The trouble was here, here in her head, not in her back. Meaning bold is a very glib word for a psychosomatic. It's simple, really. She was tired of routine. She'd reached a point in life when she recognized the fact that what she had was all that was going to be. as far as her life was concerned. She was restless in her mind. Then, Clara didn't have the heart to do anything like that. Clara didn't. She permitted me that to call her by her first name. I confess it to you. She knew I was attracted to her. Once when she left here, she touched my cheek and smiled. If she would have let me, I would have tried to make her happy. Believe me, Mr. Clover, he wouldn't let me. And that ended that. These were the four places Mrs. Bryan had visited before she died. When she had gone to the beauty shop, she had a book. She left there with it. Had gotten rid of it at the next stop, the lending library. Then the six o'clock appointment with the chiropractor. the chiropractor was certain she didn't have the mechanical toy with her. And the man at the 10-cent store was certain he'd sold her one. So the store had been the last stop on the list. Go back there. Hello there. I see you came back. Uh, that's right. Uh, how are you coming? With what? Well, you know, with the murder case. Oh, no, not so good, Mr. Libby. I was reading the papers. I see where you boys found a bum in the bower. He stabbed to death. This happened while you were looking for Mrs. Brian, didn't it? Uh-huh. You sound tired. Uh, mind if I look around for a while? hmm Please. Boys. Quite a collection. Do you have kiddies? No, I'm not married. Oh? Have you uh, have you made any progress on the case? Some. <laughs> nice toy. Take it with you. Maybe you've got a, a nephew. No, no, none of those either. Well, what do you figure the connection is between that bum and Mrs. Bryan? Pretty obvious. <laughs> obvious to you boys, not to a ten-cent store man like me. Well, like this. Our technical boys tell me Mrs. Bryan wasn't strangled in the tenement. But some other place. He was killed and then brought to the tenement. Do You figure the bum killed her, huh? I read where he had $20 in his pocket. Motive was robbery, hmm? No, oh, that's not what happened. What happened is... I see you're staring at my 498 item. Those mechanical bears. You like them? What happened is this. Our bum, Shorty, was about to bed down for the night in the condemned tenement. He found Mrs. Bryan's body, opened her pocketbook. Oh, so she was. Took her money and ran. <laughs> you boys Hiller, yeah. just put Mrs. Bryan in the tenement. We watched Shorty do all that. Followed Shorty the rest of his life. Saw him write a letter at the mission. A letter? I didn't read anything about that. Hiller must have seen that the letter was addressed to her husband. Hmm. Well, how did you figure that without seeing what happened at all? <laughs> the only way it makes sense. Gee, I, I don't know. I think to my theory. I still think the bomb killer... No, you're wrong, Mr. Libby. Shorty didn't kill her. The killer followed Shorty to the Apollo Hotel and killed him because he thought that the reason Shorty had written to Mr. Bryan was to tell him he knew who had murdered his wife. Mr. Bryan was an attractive woman, wasn't it? I really didn't notice. Funny. Everybody else noticed. It. I didn't. Funny. All the attention I pay to people is what they buy. I I have a living to make. How many of these 498 uh, mechanical bears did you order? Uh, six. Funny? What's funny? One, two, three, four, five, six. I still six here on the shelf. What's that got to do with anything? You sold one to Mrs. Bryan, remember? What? But never took it out of the store, did you? After you killed her, you put it back on the shelf. She she teased me. She looked promises at me. When I wrapped her packages for her, she'd stand close to me, and when I looked at her, she'd turn around and walk away. The other night, the other night she looked tired. I invited her in the back for coffee. She said, all right. She went back and slouched down in my chair. I looked at her. I brushed her hair back from her cheek. She started her to scream. Something happened.
3: I... I strangled her.
2: dance a while. Close your eyes. Make believe you've got your arms around something good. Keep them closed. What you're holding is stuck. It's Broadway. The gaudiest. The most violent. The lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beast. My beat. FBN presents. You've been listening to some of the best in radio drama with Deborah McGee and Molly. And Broadway is my beat. Join us again Monday evening at the same time, nine oh five, when FBN presents *Dragnet* and *Escape*.
0: Another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. Well, the world is about to be destroyed once again by a very diabolical. And once again, the police commissioner of Midland City turns to the only man who can save it.
5: Operator, I'd like to have the Atlantic Ocean, please.
0: Yes, an emergency call to the Atlantic Ocean. No,
5: I don't know the area code. For
0: the winged warrior is using his two weeks of vacation in an attempt to become the first man to fly the great ocean.
5: Yes, I'd like to make it person to person for Chicken Man. That's C I don't know who he is, but I do know this. Later, Commissioner. Yes. I'm sorry, Operator, I didn't hear that. What? Did you ask will we pay for the charges? No, we won't. No, we won't. That's right. Make it collect.
0: And seconds later, somewhere out over the Atlantic. Uh, hello, Atlantic Ocean.
5: I have a collect call from Midland City for Chicken Man. That's C-H-I.
0: this is Chicken Man
2: speaking.
5: Will you accept the charges?
2: Uh, what's that?
5: Will you accept the charges?
2: Is this my mother
5: calling again? Midland City? Ocean would like to know if its mother's calling. Tell the Atlantic Ocean this is the office of the police commissioner. Is the Atlantic Ocean in some kind of trouble? Never mind. Just give the message. Okay. Hello, Atlantic Ocean.
0: Uh, yes, right here.
5: Your call is from the office of the police commissioner.
0: Oh, well, uh, in that case...
5: Will you accept the charges? Uh... Operator, will you please tell the Atlantic Ocean it's a matter of life and death? No kidding! And that the world is about to be destroyed by a very diabolical... Does that mean there'll be looting and pillaging? Yes, that's right. Hello, Atlantic Ocean. Uh,
0: yes, right here.
5: Hey, you got a swell telephone call here. You want to take Is that right? Yeah, there's going to be looting and pillaging. Operator, now I've come to the Atlantic. If making collect, we'll pay for it. <laughs> Uh, we won't pay for it. Operator. Yes, go ahead, Plundering. I'm in Midland City. Would you tell the Atlantic to accept, and I'll pay him when he gets back out of my lunch money?
0: I accept that call, Operator. Oh, good. Uh, hello?
5: This is Miss Hellfinger, winged warrior. Hey, does anybody mind if I listen No, in? go right ahead. Okay,
0: yeah, sure. Well, thanks to the electronic know-how of a united, free America, Chicken Man has been contacted at last. Say. Hey. The charges for this call will of necessity be substantial. Be listening tomorrow for another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known.
1: You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host Virtual Vinny. Welcome back. Good story with a fantastic look into the process of creating a timeline that eventually placed Danny at the scene of the crime. And that's going to conclude our show here on I Love Old Time Radio. This program can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or leave a voice message using the Anchor.fm app. If you'd like to help support this show, you can do so at support.iloveoldtimeradio.com or by joining our vintage radio club and get an extra episode a week. Tomorrow, it's a new episode of Inner Sanctum Mystery and join us next Wednesday for some more Broadway Is My beat. For this is Virtual Vinny signing off.